45 metres back. Bernard Foley's got the lead. It's got the legs, the distance. Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby. We are the people's podcast providing a platform for rugby lovers to come together and support the game that's played in heaven. Now, this is our second episode of the week. This is our episode or our interview with Les Kiss. It's coming up very, very uh, brief, very shortly. Lockie, great opportunity to chat with the Queensland Reds head coach. Very generous with his time, very generous with his answers. What, what was the standout for you? What are you most excited about from listening to that interview? Yeah, hey, Mitch. Hey, everyone. Great to have half an hour with Les Kiss, super generous with his time and very open and honest about coming into the system, which had been under Brad Thorne for a really long time and what he did with the bits that he liked and what he's doing with the bits that you know needed to be improved or evolved at Queensland. So I think everyone's going to really enjoy this chat. He's a very, very interesting bloke, sharp as a tack, I reckon. Um, wasn't giving too much away about the round one teams, but Mitch, I think it's certainly worth a listen. Very much looking forward to it. And as a Waratahs fan as well, he was very generous towards the Waratahs. So uh, I think I like him even more. But the fans are here to uh, to hear that interview with Les Kiss. Let's just get into it because, you know, that's what they're here for. Let's go. I'm proud to welcome new head coach of the Queensland Reds, Les Kiss, onto the podcast. Les, how are you, mate? I'm good. Just giving our new sponsor a bit of a wrap there, guys. But uh, Fantastic. Good to see you, Mitch. Good to see you, Lockie. And you, Les. It's different. Different having you this side of the um, screen. I'm usually right next to you in the press pack, mate. This is nice and informal. Informal? I just need a beer in my hand. That's all. I'd be happy. (laughs) Fantastic. Now, Les, we're recording currently on a Monday evening or Monday afternoon, your time. What's the schedule for yourself and the team today? Oh, basically, because we had the travel late yesterday in the Roma game to the end, late into the evening, uh, we gave most of the guys up till about 12 o'clock off this morning, but the coaches are in earlier. Um, you know, we, we start earlier. We, we, we just work through the game together and um, ensure that we've got everything covered for our meetings from that. So we would have had a team meeting to set things off. The players would go into their strength back strength while the forwards do a a, uh, a meeting and then the it'll swap you know the backs will, will do the opposite and the forwards will do the opposite uh, then we move into what we would call just a it's a light install day in a way we just install a few principles a few little things we want to grow in our game or indeed sometimes just uh, fix you know, some things that just weren't out in timing or in terms of roles, so we make sure we fix those things as well. A little bit different this week. In a normal week, we would probably be installing a plan, the, the beginnings of our plan for the opposition in the coming week. Because we have the week off, it's uh, just a little bit differently, but we did install and f- go through a couple of things from the previous game against the Tars and also some things that we're just trying to grow each week because... You know, it's only been we only had a seven or eight week preseason, and it's um there's a lot to try and fit in, but we're trying to logically build it so that that it makes sense, and we're just growing things on a weekly basis. And how did the team pull up after that game against the Waratahs on Saturday night? They pulled up really good. Um, we, we've had a really arduous, hot, um, humid preseason, so most of the training's been quite 
um, challenging in a lot of ways. So, you know, the temperature was a bit lower. It was well into the evening. Uh, I think they appreciated those conditions. And um, although the ball and play in terms of the game was quite low in t against the normal uh, Super Rugby Pacific game, um, you know, we did we did get some high high speed meters. We had a lot of collisions. Um, there was a lot of scrums, a few more. So there was a good test across the park. But in terms of our bodies, uh, they're sore, definitely. But um, uh, they were all healthy today, which was which is really pleasing. Now this is your first stint at Ballymore for the Queensland Reds. How have you found coming back to Australia, and how have you found um, the team and the development that they've taken over the past few years? Being away for sixteen years, it was um, I didn't know what to expect. First up, obviously we watch a lot of Super Rugby up the Northern Hemisphere, and uh, you know everyone still is very interested in in the Super Rugby competition up there. You know a lot of people really admire what the Wallabies and, and the Super Rugby teams here from uh, Australia, what they can do, and, and obviously New Zealand. So there's a lot of interest in it. You watch it, but you are disconnected from it in a lot of ways when you're not on the ground here, uh, seeing what the local media do, um, what the local stakeholders, the community rugby and all those things uh, that are in play. But uh, you know, I soon got my head around a couple of key things. The, uh, when I researched it through the process of um, them talking to me about the role. I could see there were some great qualities here, without a doubt, some great qualities in play. Um, yeah, I've said it often and I uh, and I don't say it lightly, but what Brad had built here is, um, is considerably uh, impressive in terms of the boys. You know, they, they know what it means to put that jersey on. They care about the place. They, um, they'll work hard. Uh, there, there is a lot of um, ambition and appetite in the place, for sure. So there were some good qualities that I loved. I loved the fact that Ballymore was going to come to life again. You know, the foundations of of any good, probably Australian rugby and, and, and Queensland rugby, Ballymore strong. So that's that's important. And, um, and in terms of the playing group, to tell you the truth, I didn't know any of them personally. Um, but... I could see that they they wanted to find out how good they can be, um, and it was a it was probably a logical challenge for me in some ways. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, I've only had six months in the saddle here, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. We've um, we've pushed things. Um, we, we've tried to make sure we know where we want to grow and, and really be certain about those things. But I haven't been here to be a change agent. I just wanted to be here and build on top of the the qualities that are already here. Um, so I've kept the same captains. Um, you know, there's not much change in the team. Uh, there's, a, there's some strong things in place and, and probably the major change has been in probably some, with, with a totally new coaching team, um, some changes in how, we, how we're playing the game, I guess. And has the develop or the redevelopment of Ballymore um, in the past year or so changed or given the team a little bit um, of a different preparation this season? Than what the boys have experienced previously. You know whether you whether you work out in the boondocks and or whether you work in a beautiful facility like this. It, there's some things that are still are still so vital that you can't miss. You know, I mean, uh, I, I didn't hear them complaining about what they've had the last couple of years. A lot of teams have facilities that right aren't quite right up to the mark, but the new facilities do offer one key difference, I guess, and that's the recovery facilities. Um, yep. Most of the recovery facilities would have been off site. Um, 
in the last couple of years. Um, obviously, you use your you know your your bins and all that for ice bars and all that type of things. But to have the the facility providing a, a, the hot and colds and the sauna and you know just the capacity to be inside out of the heat um, all those things certainly help it you know the heat factor is it, it surprised me i underestimated it to tell you the truth it's it's it gets quite hot and humid and um you know i pushed the boys pretty hard at times but uh <laughs> um maybe i don't know if i pushed them too hard at times but but it was it's a pretty challenging heat to work in con yeah. uh, consistently and constantly Les, you mentioned your predecessor, Brad, and the good things culturally that he was able to instill. Obviously, Brad went out, Super AU title, most cap coach of the Reds modern era, but also Brad's win record was 45%. So there are clearly areas that you wanted to build upon. Could you shed a bit of light on those areas that you identified as needing improvement? Uh, well, yeah, just from watching it initially, I, I just thought possibly – uh, knowing that they were going to move to a new centre, there was more workable space. Uh, we could include more people in the fold in terms of players in the group to be able to train together. So I brought Dale Robertson in close with us into the coaching group, uh, who is our academy coach. And and squab, uh, Paul Carrozza, uh, has supported this, that we had the academy, um, anywhere up to 18 guys. And 20 guys worked full-time with the uh, basically full-time with the first team. I've got to be careful there. And it wasn't full-time. It was in the minutes that they were allowed to, to train, you know what I mean? But they were in key full-time moments training with the first team. Um, probably the MO there is that, you know, just getting closer to the game. And that's looking at possibly pathways down the next year or two. So they're ready earlier to be able to come into into the top program. So that was good. And, and the reverse side of that is, you know, guys like... You know, talking to Harry Wilson about it, you know, he got to know these young guys earlier, got got close with them. So you're building those connections down the pathway and they're the immediate pathway. And over the next two to four years, you know, you're going to get half a dozen to 10 of those guys coming through into our systems, but at least they've been exposed to it. So a lot of the change was in those systems that we could do because with a new facility, an extra pitch was built. So we have three pitches here to work with. So we just had that capacity to do those types of things. Um, which are important to us. Um, the other parts of our system is that we've tried to have an open door for all our club coaches and school coaches to to visit us and and you know join our coaching meetings when possible, team meetings and uh, and obviously uh, watch our training sessions closely and 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 you know create conversations where we all learn off each other and and most of the clubs have partaken in that, which has been good as well. On pitch, uh, I had four. Well, I had new coaches. You know, I'm, I'm a new coach, uh, uh, so there was a lot to build from the ground up. We tried to connect with some of the key qualities they have as a team now. Um, you know, there's a lot of talent in this team. There's a lot of skill. There's a lot of, uh, you know, massive power in, in different areas. Uh, so what we tried to do is work, not, not build us, come in and build a, put a system in place that they have to fit to. We tried to get that sweet spot where... There's a certain style I do like. There's a certain way that I, I prefer, you know, building that closely with the coaches and then bringing the players in play, just meeting in a spot where they, I feel they that they wanted to be excited with, but also, uh, you know, be able to find out uh, how good they can be. Open the, open the game up a fraction more. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a 
a firm believer that the key tenets of the game must be in play, your, your set piece, your defence, um, your kicking game, you know, all the key things, your, your passing skills and all those things. Um, but I but I have encouraged probably a little bit more of an open play, just reading pitches, pull the trigger, have a go. You know, it can be dangerous. You know, sometimes you've, you've got to wear a few errors along the way, uh, but trying to, if I said from the start, don't make any errors to play within yourself, I'd think that'd be unfair and unjust on the on the guys. Mm. Um, to tell you the truth, I think if I want to find out and they want to find out, and we collectively get to a sweet spot where we understand our, our useful skill sets, we have to open that that up a bit and go from there. So there, there, there will be some frustration with that, but but nothing's ever perfect. You know, what I mean, it, it it has ebbs and flows. You've got to just work with it, and uh, so so just trying to get them comfortable about finding how they how they um work with the the plan that we've all put together and how we play and um and go from there um one pleasing factor when when we explored deeper i was really happy with a lot of the guys know each other well so it accelerated things you know the cohesion factor was high and that's a big plus and um you know uh, it's it's been hard it's been some frustrations and and a lot of growth but uh it's been enjoyable one of the challenges of oh sorry you go mitch I was going to say, one of the challenges of Super Rugby is that you've got different elements or different cultures all clashing within the one competition. You've got the way the Kiwis play rugby, you've got the Australian influence, you've then got the the Pacific Islanders with the, the Drua and Moana Pacifica. When you're at this stage and developing a new style of game plan for the Reds and this team that you've taken over, how much do you look at uh, how you want to play the game and just sort of making sure that your team plays the style that you want? And how much do you then look at the opposition and do you potentially change that depending on if you're playing a Kiwi opposition as opposed to an Australian one? I think it's a really good question and I don't have the full answer yet. Um, <laughs> however, I, I do think, um, you know, if you've got to play the Kiwi teams for one, you, you need to be good at the breakdown. Yeah. You know I mean, that, that's that's just a given. You, so trying to build how we look at the breakdown and how we believe it'll serve us the best was important and 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 ensuring that we got in front of the right things there. Our, our trial against the force, we, we didn't quite nail it. Our friendly against the um, the Tars in the weekend got closer to some things that we'd like in that area. But that, that those things are going to be constant. And, I, you know, if we get that part right, we're a chance at the, against the Kiwis, I think. You know what I mean? The, um, you know, I, I think tactically some of the things we've talked about in terms of the Drua, um in terms of how we manage our kicking game of things that we've gone through, um, which would be different with some Aussie sides, you know, yeah. you know by having an, a progressive, aggressive style of rugby that we want to pursue, it doesn't mean we don't kick. It means we have to kick smart at the right time. So some of those factors have been played in the coaches box at the, you know, in our coaches meetings as we, as we plan how we uh, expose the players to different parts of those pro those things in training being aware of those things so those things have come into play but not deeply yet i um i'm still not trying to get my uh, my head around all the names and all the, in the competition you know you you watch the waratahs in the weekend and you and you know some of the names but not all of them deeply so i'm still getting my head around that but but it is it is important to be able to flex your game for sure you want to try and be a team for all seasons you know i mean yeah. it's one of the things in the northern hemisphere you've got you have distinct seasons and you mm. have to be able to adapt to those distinct seasons and and work differently you, it does mean you build your team slightly differently you are 
on the top of the ground more here. So your team is a bit different. It's yeah. a bit more mobile in some senses. So some of the, the tactical challenges will be certainly different for sure. Um, but even, you know, even if you go down to the Highlanders and play in the, there and you, and you go up to Eden Park, sometimes the conditions be, can be quite yeah. different, can't they? So, yeah, but some definitely. of the, the key things, our set piece and, and, and our, our breakdown and, and probably having a defence that makes sense in all types of conditions, I think is important for us as well. So we've tried to put those big rocks in place and then be able to grow off the top of that. You know, there's so much to do at times, but you can't mm. do everything at once. If you do 10 things, you only get that much done. You'll yep. get the three things right. You know, we possibly get those really good and just keep building yep. those blocks upon block. You've had a good chance now, Les, to look at the team now through trials, Panasonic, Challenger Series, the past two weeks. Uh, are you pleased with the progression from what you started with? And do you have an idea of how round one might look? Yeah, round one, we play the Waratahs at Suncorp. <laughs> 24th of February. Uh, so uh, get along, everyone, please. Um, your support is vital. Uh, it, it's important. Um, you're right. I've had a fair bit of time with a group of them, for sure. Um, it's only probably been the last four or five weeks that I've started to see more of the other, more of the wallabies and, and some of the guys that have come back from injury. Last week, we had six guys coming back from long-term injury. So they, you know, they just got them into training and they're back into play now. So still finding out a little bit about them and they're probably finding a little bit about me and, and, <laughs> and the coaching team and, uh, yeah. and, 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 uh, and some clues have come through for sure. You know, I mean, there's some things that are in play that in the coaches' rooms, we, we, we're starting to form different, uh, you know, types of teams that would, would suit uh, the game that we think we want to play, um, the tactics. We've now had two games. We explored some of the things that we like to have tried. Some things have worked. Some things haven't. Uh, you know what what type of player can can deliver the reliability and the certainty we want in certain areas um, are important. But we certainly we certainly have some things possibly in our minds where we think we'll go. Um, you know that. The likes of a Fraser and Harry and a and a Tate certainly makes sense from the start anyway. You know, Fezler hooker definitely makes a sense, particularly the other hookers of, you know, sort of coming back from injury um, and, and working back in. Both Josh and and Richie are now fully fit, so that's good. Um, Josh Nasser and Richie Asiati. Uh, so, um, you know, some some things do make sense already. Sounding good, and I think that probably opens us up now, Mitch, to ask a few of our fan questions. There are a fair few that were submitted, Les. We've skimmed the ones that are a bit on the nose or a bit leading. Um, <laughs> Here we go. We might get started with um, one of our um, one of the boys, Harry Dale from the Draft Rugby Podcast. He asks, "What are the pros and cons of having four players all pushing for the fly half jersey? Would you prefer to pick and stick all year for cohesion, or are you happy to share time for the four players to find the right fit for the season?" Yeah, it's a tough question to start. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, look, I said from the start when I came here, I, I wanted to keep an open mind and uh, and make sure what we're doing can fit the players and the players find out how they fit it and how they shape it. I, I'm, I tell you the truth, I'm really happy that all of them can give value to it in different ways, you know, uh, and have certain strengths that are quite different to the others. Um, at the moment, with uh, James is... is uh, He's got a little bit of an injury, so he, he's not available immediately. But you know, his qualities that he could create space all the time, and um, he, he's just a thinker, he, he, and he's very, very good at taking the line on himself. So some of our qualities that we we're building would have suited him nicely. But 
he can cover 12 and 15. So that flexibility is important. Lawson's someone similar who can do that. He can he can cover 12, which he did a lot of in the pre-Christmas. Um, it was very he's a very generous player and, and person in the team. Lawson, you know, we only had one two tens of those two. We didn't have any 12s at the time, so we put Harry McLaughlin Phillips at 10, and he played 12. So you know, he 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 worked with that nicely. Um, and, but he can cover 15 as well. He's an exceptional goal kicker. It helps, you know, getting 7-14 is better than 5-10. You know I mean? In terms yep. of if you score two tries, it makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Tommy Liner, uh, as, as these special schools, I watched his games from last year. You know, he's, he's certainly got speed, a great kicking game. He's a physical lad too. I was really, really impressed with that. He probably has more of a, a running direct take the line on. Uh, Harry... Harry McLaughlin Phillips, he, you know, he's definitely got a, a triple threat. There's, there's some real key learnings for him still. But, you know, the other night I thought he handled himself with a plum against the Tars. So every every game he's, he's growing and, and learning stuff. Um, so I, I try to look at the upside to it. It, it is challenging to, to go to one player and say, listen, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. You know, but on the same side of the coin, I give someone else the joy that they're going to have a, a, the play. Mm-hmm. So um, I... I'm seeing the upside to it more than the downside, particularly, particularly. well, I think Harry can play three positions. Tom could play, you know, 10 and 15. You know what I mean? So there's, there is flexibility in it. I and mean, that really helps. It doesn't mean I'm going to have four in the team, <laughs> but that <laughs> flexibility certainly helps. So I'm enjoying, enjoying that challenge. When I was at London Irish, we probably had, you know, one for the most of the time. Two sometimes, two and a half sometimes. So having that that choice is um, is, is 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 beautiful, really. I I, I got to say, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. On that on that theme of choice, Saint Drogo asks, how do you consider, or what do you consider when trying to fit both Campbell and Pattaya into a backline together? And then his follow up question is, should all backs on the bench be able to play multiple positions? Well, I like my I like nines who can play in the wing and fill a wing. I think that's an important part of nine play. Um, I like one other player in the back line to be able to slot into nine if we need to. I do like those types of things. But nine's a very specific position. Mm. Uh, depends if you go a, a, a second five. If you have a, a ten and a, and a twelve that are both ball players, I think they can they can you know, flex between positions. But in general, nine and ten are fairly specific. The rest of them, I like them to be able to play across the park. I think the, and this isn't the only way I look at it, but one key thing is the number in your back, you know, you've got to know your set piece, your starter, mm-hmm. uh, how you play the initial phases of everything. From there, I like them to be able to blend a bit and not get lost in, in trying to move to one position that's probably not, you know, helpful at the time. You know, if you've got wingers going here, then he runs away to get back to his wing because he should be there when there might be an opportunity and, and something evolving in front of him. I'd rather him stay alive in that. And I don't mind if a, if a winger wanted to be first first receiver. You know, sometimes that's a that's a deadly proposition. Look at Talaya. Uh, Rocococo used to do it. Those boys yeah. get the ball in the hand, first receiver, and, you know, those big forwards start, suddenly start going, uh-oh. So you yep. can create havoc with those things. So I like them to be engaged in the game. I like them to be flexible. But we do like them to have their specific skill sets come to the fore, particularly on our first and second phase attack and defence. That, that's the key point moment for me in terms of backs. In general, with back play, um, 
you know, if, if you get out last off a ruck and you're a 13, don't try and chase 13. If the wing is gone, stay on that edge for a while. It'll it'll work out. It'll work out somewhere. So uh, I, I prefer that flexibility, uh, but you need to know your, your role as a back starter, whatever number you've got in your back, and you've got to back, make sure that's that's nailed down for sure. Good. Moving on to a couple more of our fan questions and more. I only have three more, I think, Les. So there's an end date. You're almost through, mate. Um, <laughs> no, it's submission been good from, Thank you. Submission from a fan, Nick Wilson. Uh, he says, under the Reds, there have been times in the past few seasons they've been held back by on-field discipline issues and penalties. Nick Wilson believes this is something similar for London Irish when you're in charge. Is discipline issues something you've noticed? And if so, what are you doing to address this? Uh, it's it's an important thing. Disciplines, um, as many d- descriptions, I guess, um, just doing the little things right is discipline. But in terms of in the wrong place for penalties and cards and all those things, it's it's a massively important part of the game. Uh, you know, if, if you if you want to be uh, a player in the red, you, you need to be able to be disciplined, without a doubt. Now, I'm not saying accidents can't happen; um, they will. But you know, you, you've got to be a squeaky clean push the line and you've got to be good at that you know it's it's important to manage that 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 penalty count in, in the card system um so recognize that there was you know some high penalty counts um recognize that there were some some cards uh, that came about but uh you know we've addressed it in training we we do measures in in our vision and we'll challenge the guys and we'll put the the data up and, and, and show them the numbers in training sessions and and slowly but surely improve those components of our game, particularly in, in terms of our ruck work and our offside, those types of things. Um, in terms of the cards, uh, yeah, look, we had a few at London Irish for sure. Um, you know, we, we, we played a fast game there and a, and a fairly, um, you know, a game where you, it happens quickly, so some of those things did go awry, but uh, it wasn't badness. It was just you know the speed of moments just just got us. So we need to be better for sure. But we tried to make sure we address our body height change here massively, and it's important in terms of this contact world to, to make sure your body height's at the right height, be be effective, lower to the ground, be able to move quickly, and and reshape your body to be able to to keep head away from head. It's difficult. It's really difficult. It's a tough place at times, and things can mm. just happen. But um, but it's something we have tried to make sure we got in front of for sure, and 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 be aware of you know, the the upside of being disciplined for sure. It's important. Has there been any work done with the Australian referees, particularly the ones that will be adjudicating some of the Australian Super Rugby games? Uh, yeah, we've had one or two sessions, uh, you know, around the, the set piece, and 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 just running some 15 on 15, just, just in terms of um, them giving us feedback as well, but also just to, to, for them to hear a different voice in the middle rather than the coaches there and, and yeah. see how they handle it. But, um, yeah, a, a few occasions, not many, but just enough just to, to get our, uh, ourselves in front of them. It's, it's not overused, that's for sure. Les, a final question from our fans before we wrap things up. Uh, Eli asks... Would you like to see the Reds move their home games back to Ballymore through the season? If we get this, um, which I believe there's a lot of uh, uh, people moving the, in the direction to, to build the stand on the other side, you know, shape the hill so we can put people on there effectively, 
Um, if we can get a, around a 16,000 stadium, maybe 15 to 17, 18,000, I'm not sure what that'll be in the end, but that's good enough. You know, you, that's a that's a brilliant boutique stadium. You know, I'm used to that in this in in uh, in England and 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 in the URC and all those. You know, played all around it, those boutique stadiums. You know, if we put fifteen or sixteen thousand at a packed Ballymore, you'll take the roof off. It'll be fantastic. So, if we got to those situations, definitely like to look at it. Obviously, there's considerations with, um, you know, how we would share that with our time with Suncor because I, I still think on the big occasions you need that that place. You know, what I mean that that's you know something that hopefully we can do over the next year is is build that that following. Uh, stronger and more con, uh, con, consistent. Uh, that's part of our, our job, isn't it, to entertain and make sure we put a product there that they want to follow and, and get our, our good men, our good people behind us in a really strong way. But, yes, it's something I think is worth considering if we can get the right place here to make it work. You know, definitely be nice to have some, some big games here. We also have touring games. You know I mean? If, if touring games can come or, you know, the people come over, you know, that's the ideal place to have them too. Uh, so, yes, it's it's a it's a big part of it all, I, I think, and it's one of the things that excited me for sure that Ballymore's coming back to life. Uh, but uh, you know, for now we've got Suncorp. As I said, Saturday twenty fourth, we're February, we're, we got the Tars again, and you know, that's going to be a nice juicy one, isn't it? Well, it wasn't too long ago that we had pretty big, nearly full stadium at Suncorp for um, the Aussie Super Rugby AU final against the Brumbies. So. There is yeah, appetite yeah, there yeah. for Queensland rugby fans who want to see the Reds do well. We do wish you all the best with the season. We do know where the sport, unfortunately, sits at the moment in the commercial side of things, uh, particularly with the Wallabies' performance last year. Super Rugby is only a few weeks away. What message do you have to those Queensland fans and the wider Australian rugby fans as well um, for this upcoming season? What what sort of hope do you have that you can get them excited and, and why should they be down at Suncorp, barracking for the Reds. Uh, I'm to tell you, I'm really positive about Australian rugby. I, I I don't think it sounds weird anymore. I've said it enough times because there's, there's a massive talent base here. There's 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 a you, you, when you get around to the clubs and you you travel and and someone knows there are a lot of people saying good luck, uh, uh, hope it goes well, and that people want to see things good good things happen. So I, I'm optimistic about a lot of things in Australian rugby. We we can turn things around in this country within 12, 18 months easily, I think, um, in the bigger picture. You know, uh, RA have made some decisions. I think the people they've put in play will be able to really help us drive that. My job's to make sure I, 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 along with my coaches and my professional staff and the players here, is to put together something that's that's compelling, that's, that interests people, that people get curious about. They, they they say, what's happening here? This looks exciting. And and get some of our traditional fans back and, and, and mm. maybe, you know, just generate that interest again. How will we do that? It's it's important that, we, that we're that we open to the public, that we want to connect with the community. You know, we've been out to regional centres in uh, Roma recently. We, we're getting out to clubs. You know, the clubs are coming in here and, and, and working with us. So the Challenge Series last year got to know at least 50 to 100 club players now so just connecting with everyone in the communities as is, is as important as as just staying in, in this beautiful center so those things are important for us but you know we we understand that winning matters and it does matter so you know hopefully we, we've got a style of game that's exciting but also um 
you know, does does the, the, the hard, gritty things well. I want, I would like our, our, our good people who come to support us and people who want to explore about us and be curious is to see a team that's willing to, that um, what I've seen anyway, they're willing to fight hard and, and bleed for the jersey. Uh, they don't just put it on to wear it. They, they want to sweat and bleed in it. And I want to see, uh, I want everyone to feel very proud about what they see in a, on, a, on a weekly basis. Uh, to be on the try line in the 79th minute and, and keep them out and get a win, yeah, those things are important moments. So that's, that's the type of you know, mindset that we're trying to, to create internally here. And hopefully that is felt by everyone who, who comes to support us and is considering supporting us. I was very curious. Get out and, get out and see what we're about. Uh, 24th, February. Suncor, 7.30ish, be there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for your time this evening, Les. Um, Thank you for joining us and chatting all things Super Rugby and particularly Queensland Rugby. We wish you all the best with the season. And, um, yeah, we. I mean, I'm a Waratahs fan, so don't bash our Waratahs too hard like you did on the weekend, but go well through this season. We want to see as many Aussie Supersides in those finals come the end of the season. Mate, it'll be tough. Waratahs, yeah, these are great games. Yeah. We, we're not going to take too much from that, just as the Waratahs won't either. It's, it, it's going to be a cracker. Yeah, it's a great way to start the season, um, without a doubt. So we're looking forward to it. it we, you know, you want to play the best. You know, that's that's it starts with one of the best. So we're looking forward to it. So thanks again, guys. I appreciate your time. And um, I look forward to seeing everyone at Suncor. Fantastic. Thanks. 